You are listening to Trophy Horse with your host, Tricky Mick, Alex, I yield to no one, Steve, and Sid. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Trophy Whores. Happy New Year. It is episode 506. We survived all the shenanigans of New Year's Eve. And with me this week, I have I Yield to No One. You know, I'm a happy guy because my uh, Bengals won the division. Does that mean they get a bye in the playoffs? No. Well, it well they're still in the wild card then, I guess, right? Well, no, they're, 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 they won the division, so they at least get one home game. Uh, the Number one seed will shake out next week. They beat the Chiefs. So now the Chiefs are the two seed. And uh, Tennessee's the one and Cincinnati's the three. But they're only a game back. So I guess it depends on how next week shakes out. i to be honest. It's been a, long, been a long time since I paid attention to NFL. So in that time that I've stopped playing fantasy football, I kind of forgot how the playoffs worked. But hey, Kentucky, Citrus Bowl champions beating Iowa. What? What? <laughs> In a very close game, but nice comeback there by Will Levis and the Kentucky Wildcats. Also with us on this not-quite-New-Year's-Day episode of Trophy Horse, we have the man who has more legit trophies in year 2022 than uh, Tricky Mick. It's Resident Daryl. What's up? What's up? And that is 100% facts. So wait, Daryl, how many have you, How many games have you actually platinumed already? Because we're only two days into the, the uh, year. Just one, just one. Uh, one legit platinum that Tricky does not have for 2022 so far. Uh, we're in the middle of a few different trophy hunting competitions. So uh, this weekend was a lot of simulation game trophies. I had to, you know, kind of get, I had to get 20 simulation game trophies and, and I had to kind of make my mark in a few different places. I'm kind of setting up a few different games uh, to complete for the next few weeks in my competition. So I'm not trying to rub Tricky's face into the dirt just yet. Uh, Here's the thing, Daryl. I mean, I was going to say, if not for Ghost of Tsushima, that one trophy that you've earned, the one platinum you've earned for this year, would be more legitimate platinums than he have in his entire arsenal. But thanks to Ghost of Tsushima, he's at least got you tied there for your 2022 and his full-time career of being a PlayStation gamer. <laughs> well, you know, I'm watching him on that Ghost of Tsushima because, like, I uh, I keep Tricky's profile brought up on my iPad over here next to mine just to keep him honest. And I saw Ghost of Tsushima, uh, uh, the PS5 on there, like, hmm, how long before he just auto-pops those trophies? And so I'm watching him. Because if he's got the one first, the first trophy set up, and then he waits a couple of days, couple of weeks, and then all of a sudden the rest of them are there, I'm gonna go in there and audit those timestamps. He's trying not to get called out by PlayStation profiles as a cheater again. <laughs> again, yeah. But he's, tricky, you guys are doing a thing now where between you and Tricky, you guys are not rat spamming any platinums this year, or seeing how long you all can go without rat spamming any platinums from here until the end of the year. That's correct. We are going to go, you know, as long as we can for the year. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'll be, you know, safe. 365 plus days uh, by the end of this. Tricky, I don't think he'll make it. Maybe a month at best. Uh, 
But what's going to end up happening is I'm going to, I gave him a 10 platinum lead. Okay. So he spammed at the end of the year to get ahead of me and I let him have it. And so now what I'm going to do is pass him in legit platinums and outdo him month after month. Every single month, I will have at least one platinum that is, that outweighs everything he touches for the month. Well, I mean, Tricky, you know, before the, the, the clocks turned over and we, we joined 2022, he, uh, you know, it's like he, someone was going on a diet in the new year. They promised themselves they were going to be more active and, you know, get physically fit. But on like New Year's Eve at six o'clock, they wolfed down five pizza at large pizzas. And it's like, all right, <laughs> I'm going to do this now. But then in the new year, I'm going to be better. That's right. <laughs> Starting tomorrow. <laughs> Starting tomorrow. All right. Well, let's give you guys our updated trophy counts here before we move into what we've been playing. Tricky, Tricky Mick. Is a level seven six seventy six. Don't want to give him too much credit there. Sixteen thousand three hundred and six total trophies with a platinum count of three hundred and sixty six. Since these guys want to be a bunch of haters, let's give, let me give you my real count because you know nobody can actually give me credit for what I do. So uh, I am actually level six hundred and seventy nine. Total trophies of sixteen thousand three hundred and eighty seven with three hundred and seventy platinums. And apparently Daryl doesn't know how to count because that's actually twelve platinums more than Daryl. Suck it, loser. He had to get away from that uh, the three sixty number there. Didn't want to be uh, <laughs> roped in with the Xbox. There you go. I am level four fifty two with a total trophy count of seven thousand seven hundred twenty three and a platinum count of one hundred and nineteen and one hundred and eighteen games. Yield, sir. Oh, I'm loading mine up because I don't think what's on there is. Well, while you're while you're doing that yield, I want to give Alex a shout out. Um, uh, being uh, one of the people who has hurled insults at the trophy horse uh, via through tricky, you know, just anything, any kind of mud I can sling at him. You know, there's been some years where you guys have not been as productive when it comes to beating games and platinuming games, but you have had a heck of a year, 2021. You and Yield both really did knock out a ton of games. So I, I knocked out a crap ton of games this yeah, year. No, I, I appreciate that, Daryl, but I was going to say Yield did far more than I did. Uh, I am I am 446 with a trophy count of 8132 and a platinum of 146. Yield, real quick, uh, I'm going to pull it up here. Since Daryl's going to give us credit, I'll, I'll pat ourselves on the back here uh, and just kind of share our uh our 2021 for uh everyone here what the games that we uh either 100 percented or platinumed oh man this is a long list for me <laughs> i, I did it. 14 so you did like i said you did far more than i did but uh, i did sea of solitude concrete genie control castle crashers on the ps4 spear of the north astro's playroom ratchet and clank rift apart psychonauts 2 fist force and shadow torch Alan Wake Remastered, Maneater, Little Nightmares, and Medieval. Gonna be honest, some solid games in there. Some really good games. Not any particularly difficult Platinums, but uh, yeah, I couldn't wrap my my head or couldn't get my hands around the Kena Bridge of Spirits Platinum, which would have been a pretty difficult one to get in there. But uh, overall, when it comes to games last year, I played some real winners. Yield, sir, do you have your list in front of you, or do you want me to go through it? You can go through it. I don't have it in front of me. Yield. Uh, It doesn't have a total count here, but it is a long list. Ghost of Tsushima. 30-some, I think. Just Cause 3, The Walking Dead, The Final Season, Spyro the Dragon, Destroy All Humans, The Last Campfire, We Were Here, We Were Here Too, Spear of the North, 
Spyro 2, Ripto's Rage, Batman Arkham Origins Blackgate, Ghostbusters the Video Game Remastered, Adam's Venture, Adam's Venture Origins, The Final Station, We Were Here Together, Destroy All Humans 2, Enemy Front, Spyro 3, Year of the Dragon, Hellblade Sinuous Sacrifice, Knockout City, After Party, Scully, Black the Fall, Lord of the, Lego Lord of the Rings, Watch Dogs, Grim Fandango Remastered, Baja Edge of Control, Brutal Legend, Far Lone Sail, Pumpkin Jack, Heavy Rain, Helldivers, Far Cry 4, Monkey King Hero is back, Duke Nukem 3D, 20th Anniversary World Tour, Batman Enemy Within, Rogue Trooper Redux, and Jack and Dax to the Precursor Legacy. Uh, which will... Oh, before before we get into what we've been playing, I also want to update us on SIDS, of course. Uh, level 532, total trophy count 10,890, and a platinum count of 196. Beald, your list there does kind of segue us nicely into what we've been playing, because I know uh, the final game on that list, Jack and Dax to the Precursor Legacy, is the game you've been playing quite recently. Yes, uh, that was one of my platinums before the end of the year. Um, I, I I said it in the group, and I'll say it on here. Um, it's I enjoy the game, but it's just not that great of a game. And it's my, my main issue is the camera angle. It's well, just it's like what an early two thousands platformer, three D platformer. Yeah, it is, and I'm just. Oh my gosh, that camera angle is so frustrating. But other than that, I mean, the the game's not bad. I, I you know, you can see Naughty Dog storytelling. You can see from the first to the second one of how crisper the game looks. And, and I don't like some of the things they're implementing in the second game, just because you're going from kind of like a in essence, a, a kind of a platforming game, and now all of a sudden we're throwing in gun combat. Yeah, it's it's very much open worldy in Jack Two. Yeah, and I'm just it's like, kind of it's kind of like when you went from Sly Cooper, the Thievius Raccoons, to Sly Two, Band of Thieves. They definitely changed the formula. I mean, of course, it was, it was Naughty Dog and then Sucker Punch, two different development studios. But there's a big jump in between the first two games of both those series, where they modify the gameplay quite a bit. Whereas like Ratchet and Clank, which is kind of like the third series in that triad. Uh, that was pretty much true to form. I mean, they improved upon Ratchet and Clank to make um, Going Commando, but for the most part, the gameplay was very similar. Yes. But I'm, I'm slowly making my way through Jack 2 right now. It's going to be interesting um, about the egg collecting because I just don't know if I'm going to have the patience to try to get gold in the gun challenges and and the the hoverboard challenge, I might do the the little hack that they say online about there's a mission that you can do and you jump and quit the mission while he's in the air and he falls on top of an egg, but it counts and you can keep redoing that and it'll count up to the 280 precursor orbs that you need. And I'm like, you know what? I might just do that. There's also an admin, like, uh, <clears throat> there's an admin hack you can do in that game. Yeah. So if you wanted to just play through the game, beat it, enjoy the game, enjoy the story, and then do the admin stuff, like, I think it's one of those games you can turn on all the dev tools and platinum the game in 15 minutes, if I'm not mistaken. 
Really? So, then yeah, I might so, I might do that because if it wasn't for the camera angle, I'd be like, all right, I can do this. But that camera angle, oh my god. Yeah. Well, if you beat the game, because I know I know you're going to want to play the game legit and you know, and actually yeah. and and enjoy the story as you're going through the trilogy. But yeah, you could totally just once you've beat it, then turn around and clean it up. So admin probably, admin hacks are, are not cheap. Because I was I if if you if you remember. There's little, uh, I guess, challenges. You walk up to a hover billboard, and they'll be like, hey, here's this precursor egg over here. If you remember what the map looks like, can you find it in a minute? And now, I'm just like, I'm just like, you know what, man? I, I, I tried a couple of them. And I'm just like, you know what? I ain't got time for this right now. I'm just going to play the game. Yeah. Now, that is Jack 2 we're talking about, right? Yeah, Jack. Okay, two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jack two is the one that has the admin. So, so I realize we got a good flow going here to the show, but Daryl, you didn't say anything. I, I, I kind of, I showed you the sh- the cold shoulder like Tricky would. I didn't pay you proper respect like Tricky, you know, wouldn't do. He wouldn't pay you the proper respect. You didn't read your trophy count, sir, and that's all my fault. Uh, you're good, dude. I was gonna totally just slide it in when we got to what I've been playing because it's totally, totally understandable. But since you've brought it up. Uh, I am a level 669 uh, with a platinum count of 358 platinums, total trophies of 15,298. Nicely done. Most excellent. Uh, Yield, sir, did you have anything you were playing there uh, beyond Jack and Daxter? Uh, So, let's see here. I've been playing... uh, Jack and Daxter, the Precursor Legacy, that was the one platinum. Uh, Rogue Trooper, Redo, Redux, however you want to say it, was my second platinum. Um, started on Jack 2. Uh, been playing some Rocket League. Been playing some World of Warship Legends. Uh, fired up Sniper Elite 3 with Nitro a little bit earlier before recording. Because one of the trophies is you have to play through the whole entire campaign co-op. So we're working on that one together. Uh, been playing, working on my last PlayStation 3 game before I move on to my 5, which is Kingdoms of Almalar Reckoning. I've uh, been playing some Watch Dogs Bad Bloods DLC, trying to get some of those rarer trophies for the Winter Tag Team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's it. Yield, I'm going to say that you might have the uh, world record for person who has had a PlayStation 5 in his or her household and has left it in the box has, and not touched it. And hasn't fired it up yet? Yeah, I probably do. Because well, I don't remember uh, I, exactly when I got mine, but you and I got ours around the same time because you know, yes. listeners of the show know that Tricky was the one who um, helped us get uh, Hooked us all up PlayStation 5s. But you had a backlog to clean up, whereas I just yes. kind of jumped in and... Uh, started playing right away so let me see let me go back to see when i got the uh uh august so it was in august that uh we at least that i got the ps5 so uh yeah you've been sitting on it for now going on five months impressive sir yeah and 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 what makes matters worse i got three five games for christmas what would, would you like to share I got. Well, Hot you Wheels. technically got uh, also Astro's Playroom because it came with it. Well, yeah, 
and, and well, and we also I also got Ratchet and Clank and Miles Morales with the system. So, but I actually got three games for my wife for Christmas for the five. I got Hot Wheels. Uh, she got me Metro Exodus, the complete edition. So I got all the DLC with it, and uh, Immortals: Phoenix Rising. It's a good group of games there. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on Immortals: Phoenix Rising after Tricky heaped praise upon it. I've I've heard really good things, and then also the good thing is the season pass is on sale right now for the holiday sale. So yeah, win uh, win. I don't know when the holiday sale is over, but if you haven't checked Nin- it out, there's some 19th. deep discounts in there. There's like fifty to sixty percent off the some of the newest and biggest games at least to come out last year. So everyone definitely check out the the sale going on on PSN right now. Speaking of good things, Daryl, I'm sure you've been playing quite quite a few good things lately. Absolutely, man. Um, you know, you mentioned Astro's uh, Play Playroom or whichever one's the pack-in game with the PS5. Yeah, that is an amazing game. Like it's it's structured very much, and it's very segmented, and it's it's very much like a nostalgia fest. Like it's got so much charm, so many cool things. But there's certain sections of that game where I played through it, and just the motion of the character, and then the the graphics. Just the lighting, everything just reminded me so much of the way I felt playing Mario 64 for the first time. Like that game is so, so good. I, I loved it. And it got me really wanting to revisit um, the other Astro games. Now, I've said this on my show ever since I got PSVR, I got it not long after it came out. I just, I get motion sick really easy. I don't do well with roller coasters, things like that. Um, riding in the backseat of a vehicle. And, yeah, it's the sudden change. Oh, dude, and and VR gets me. You know, I can only do it in very short bursts. I mean, realistically, twenty minutes is the max I can do in VR. And uh, it's uh, it's very unfortunate because I love I like it's it's so it's not a gimmick. You know, like it's legit. Like this VR is is a real thing, and there's some really really amazing games that I've been able to play, even if I can only play them for short bursts. Um. So, uh, the, uh, the playroom VR, which would be an Astro game is another one. And we've been working on this one for, according to PSN profiles, a site that I'm not banned for from cheating. Unlike other people that may or may not, not be here tonight. Um, I, uh, I've been working on this game for two years and six months, roughly. And, uh, my son and I have been kind of actually, we had the whole family and their wife and everything. (laughs) And, um, we had uh, you can do five players at a time, so four people can hold controllers and control little astrobots, and then one person can wear the VR headset, and it can be there's like a mini game in there where you like can control a cat, right? And the cat's behind um, these like curtains, and when you lean forward with the VR headset, the cat comes out, and if you're moving, like if you're a mouse, like hiding under a cup or hiding under a piece of broccoli or whatever, trying to collect all this cheese on the ground, if you're moving when the cat's head comes out, the cat snaps you. And grabs you and pulls you under the curtain, right? And it's these really cute, fun little mini games. And me and the kids and the wife and I, we all tend to play the same ones over and over again because we can all play it together. And we were kind of just trick, uh, just chipping away at the trophies. I had uh, like uh, there's like a little gotcha claw machine. You gotta earn a bunch of coins to play through and and find these little collectibles. We knocked that out the other day, and this morning we knocked out the platinum. We finished up. Uh, the last little section, which is a two-player section, uh, it's uh, Robot Rescue. And essentially, the one player wears the VR headset, 
and it's like um like a, like a robot that floats around. And that player can control an astrobot that platforms around and grabs other characters. And the TV player, like me, I could control a, a um, little astrobot in a spaceship, and I can suck up coins, and you can uh, pick up blocks and shoot them at enemies so that your little v- other player can run around and, and rescue all the other little bots. It's such a charming, such a cool experience. So many great um little mini games in these Astro team Asobi has really, really, they really got something here, man. They really do have something absolutely amazing in this Astro games. We got all the DLC trophies, which were not very many, uh, but it was fun. And so that's my newest platinum. I uh, had a blast you know, working on that one, chipping away at it with my kids. Um, I, uh, been playing the mafia remaster. Uh, I'm, uh, yield. You've played the mafia games, correct? I've played two. And I'm. I need to go back. I'm gonna play one first before I jump to three. Okay. So I played part one on like Xbox 360 or something years ago, and I remember loving the game. I played part two, but I never finished part two. And so I bought part uh, two on PS3. I own it digitally and physically. Never got around to playing it, and it's been one of those games that's on my backlog that I'm ready to go. Well, then they released the remaster. I bought the remaster. I'm like, okay, I'm totally playing this. And it's still sealed in the box on my shelf. Um, but one of our uh, patrons had pledged to uh, challenge me to play Mafia Remaster. So I've been chipping away at it. And it is is as good. It's, so, it's, it's better than I remember. It's so good. The remaster is so well done. The game is beautiful. It controls nice. Um, sound, the, uh, the voice acting is really, really good. Um, they made so, so many little quality life improvements. I don't remember if this was on the original version of the game, but like, let's say you got a mission. You got to go from point A to point B. If you drive yourself, you got to monitor your, you know, how careful you're driving because the police can get you. You can get, you know, you can wreck, you can blah, 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 whatever. You do get to hear things on the radio and you do get to hear a little bit of dialogue between you and another character, but. It gives you the option just to hit down on the D-pad and skip the drive. So you can, it'll do all that for you. And it really is respectful of your time. And so I've uh, done a little bit of both. I've kind of skipped from one place to another, you know, just, just in being in a hurry trying to knock out missions. And then other times I've just drove around town and enjoyed myself. Um, the game is absolutely amazing. I'm going to beat this one. I've got the Mafia 2 remaster, which I understand they did less work to that one than they did the first one. Um, but then I've played the third one. I don't know that I'm going to jump back into that one so much because it's not the same story and aesthetic as the first two. Um, maybe eventually I will, but I also hear the, the trophies are glitchy and, um, nitro as a matter of fact has beat that game, I think six or seven times trying to get the platinum and can't get the trophies to pop. So, uh, so I, I hear oh, that wow. I, hear it's, I hear it's a little buggy on, um, on number three. So, uh, and then I guess I'll, I'll say just kind of one more. The only other thing I'm playing, um, that I want to bring up is, uh, the, this game called Bloodshore. Now we had some uh, members of the community reach out and say, they think that I would enjoy it. And, uh, it's a full motion video game. So it's like, you're essentially playing a movie and it's choice based narrative driven. So like, let's say, you know, you played Until Dawn and things like that, right, guys? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Okay, so it's until dawn light. Like it's not near as um, branching paths and is in depth as that game. But it's like playing through a movie. You get like a you know, choose option A, option B kind of thing. And um, but this one, Bloodshore, is really interesting because it's a it's filmed like a reality TV show, like a really over the top campy reality TV show, and it's a battle royale in real life. So. What's happening on the show is they're filming a group of 50 people dropping onto an island, finding gear, finding weapons, and then they have to kill each other to survive, win multiple millions of dollars. The whole world is watching. This is this big phenomenon that like started off with just prisoners fighting, and now it's YouTubers, professional gamers, washed-up actors, all this stuff. And it's very interesting. And the way that they... Um, motivate everyone to move into the center of the island is they have all these remote mines that like are set up in like a, like a perimeter. And then every so often they turn on. So it forces all the characters in the story to move forward. Uh, but because it's so cheesy and so like campy because it's like a reality TV show, my wife who's been playing these full motion video games with me, she was all about it. Like she loved this. So we sat down together the other night, uh, played through it. it. Took about an hour, hour and a half to beat you know, the first time through. And there's multiple endings, multiple characters, and different things you know we we'll have to go through. Uh, but really, really enjoyable game. Like these, and it's a company called Wales Interactive that's been making these FMV games. And we've been playing through a bunch of them, and they're very, very. Interesting. They're not these AAA experiences. They're not your Spider-Man No Way Homes quality of movie by any stretch, but they're they're interesting and they're again respectful of your time. It's not like you're going to be playing them for 30 hours. It's like, oh, it's essentially watching a movie. So, but that that's me. That's the the the, the bulk of it. Uh, when it comes to the mafia games, Daryl, are those kind of I don't want to say GTA like. That's kind of um disrespectful, but when it comes to progression, those games, those are sandbox games with like a lot of side stuff to do, correct? Well, the second and third one are. The first one, there's almost no side stuff. There's, as a matter of fact, there's no side content at all outside of collectibles. So it's a very straight through story. There's a, a bunch of collectibles, so, but like you have to beat the game one time through and then you have to go back on classic difficulty mode and beat the game. So what I'm doing is I'm just beating the story. And then I'm going to start over on, I mean, I'll, I'll probably, once I beat the story, get all the collectibles and then go back on classic mode and, and beat the, and beat it again for the, for the platinum. But yeah, I don't, I haven't discovered any quote side content, any kind of side objectives. Like it's just, here's the story. Here's what we're doing. And it's good. But again, yeah, it's very GTA like in the sense that it's a sandbox open world. And you can kind of go wherever you want, do whatever you want, steal vehicles, all that stuff. All right. I mean, I might go back and play Mafia 1 then because, I mean, I'm just at this point really turned off by most sandbox games just because they kind of irritate me and that I there's so many things, so many blips on the map, and I just want to get everything done all at once. So it's like my brain doesn't know where to go. And I think Infamous was the game that kind of broke me. Now, I've been able to play a few games. I mean, you know, Horizon Zero Dawn and Ghost of Tsushima and other stuff like that. But it takes special games to pull me out of that and really get me interested because sandbox games are just kind of a nightmare for me in general. I dig that. What what infamous game was the one that kind of put you the under? The original. Although I did go back and play Second Son, I think when it was free for PlayStation Plus. That's uh, a good when one. I got my four. That's a good one. Do you ever play Infamous 2? 
I did not know. I did play. I played Festival of Blood. I, I love Festival play. of Blood. Oh, that's yeah. a good one. That was a good one. I did. Yeah. That was a night nice, making that like a, its own little standalone side thing that you could just buy off the store. You didn't yep. need Infamous Two was brilliant because if you didn't want to play a, through a full Infamous Festival of Blood was a nice little like a nice little bite where it was satisfying enough that you could feel like you got enough. And plus, you could like fly around as like a group of bats. It was really cool. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, um, uh, Festival of Blood I haven't hundred percent, but I'm close. And the first Infamous is the only one I, I haven't beat. Did you go? Did you now go back and do the second playthrough? Um, no, I'm uh, actually I played Festival of Blood first. It was um, I had Infamous Two, but I hadn't actually ever actually played it. And then Festival of Blood was on sale, and I remember my kids being real young. I was sitting on my couch, and I was like, "Man, I kind of want to play something, but I don't really want to dig and in, get into a, like a whole game at the moment." And so I, I downloaded Festival of Blood and I played it and it was, I was hooked. I was like, man, this is amazing. So I beat that. Then I went and beat Infamous 2. I did the good guy playthrough on like normal or easy. And then I did the, the bad guy playthrough on hard because you could kill people and it didn't yeah, matter. It was much easier to be a bad guy and play on yeah, the high difficulty. On, yeah, absolutely. And then I, I bought the first game. And I started it, but it doesn't control near as good as the other games do. And so I, I kind of put it away. And then the um, the PS4 one came out, the um, uh, Second Son. I beat that one, Platinum did. And then I got the standalone DLC, First Light, beat it, Platinum did. And then just recently I started the first game over again just to get my bearings. And I'm, I don't know, 15, 20% through the game. So... One of the things you mentioned was how, you know, the games you were playing kind of respected your time. I've been playing a game that doesn't necessarily do that quite as well. I finally jumped into Returnal after buying it for my birthday. Mm. Uh, and, and I don't mean that as a slight to the game at all, because uh, it's, it's been great so far. But, you know, I, I knew what I was getting into before I, I started it. So I did take my time. I did wait to start it until I was, you know, mentally prepared to go through everything I was going to go through. But it, I was warned beforehand, it is a harder game, and that is definitely correct. Um, the first thing I noticed in that game when I was playing it was how crisp and sharp the controls are. Because it's yep. almost like the camera moves where you want to go before your finger actually gets fully through the motion. It's like the game knows where your eyes want to go before you actually like make the motion on the controller. It's really, uh, it's just... Um, it's fantastic. Like the controls, like just feel so much different and so much better than most other games out there today. And I can't. Maybe it was Matt G, who commented when I said I put a post on Facebook and he said, "Well, they better be good controls for how hard that game is." And he's absolutely right because the game is really hard. But I love that you know Housemark used to do a lot of really arcadey games. They used to do uh, they did Superstars HD. They did Resogun. And even though they've stepped away from those because I mean they they basically said that they couldn't sustain their business keeping to that model. You can still see a lot of the arcade game elements within Resogun, or not in Resogun, but within uh, Returnal, because a lot of the enemies and a lot of the boss fights are like bullet hell. Like there's bullet, like you got to dodge and 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 be quick and and you know be doing two different things. You got to be looking and keeping your eye on the boss and where you're shooting because uh, it's a third person shooter. But then also you've got to be looking around at where the bullets are because there's multiple different types of ammo coming at you uh, all the time. So you got to be on your toes, and that's part of what makes it difficult is that bullet hell arcade aspect of it. And I love it. And one of the things I talked, I mentioned in the like on Facebook was that 
I didn't feel like I was progressing very much while I was playing, but I wasn't getting frustrated with it. Now, when you get to the bosses and you have to replay the areas over and over again to get back to the bosses if you're struggling, which you likely will, it does get a little frustrating there. But, you know, as you go, there is persistent saving in the game. So if you die, you go back to your ship where you crash landed and you lose the obelites, which are like the, the currency system within the game. You lose any weapons you've collected because uh, as you go on and you, you progress through the levels, you gain weapons efficiency, which give you access to stronger weapons which, you know, makes you better able to, you know, compete in combat. But you lose all that stuff when you die and go back to the ship. But there is persistent progress because, say, you complete, like, an important mission or an objective, like, get a sword so you can do melee combat and break certain barriers or you beat a boss. That stuff is persistently saved. And stuff like Ether, which you collect without the world, and, like, the other collectibles, like reading glyphs, which you can use to decode messages throughout the world, uh, throughout the planet. That stuff's all persistent. So while, yes, it is kind of frustrating to lose your money and your guns, there are persistent saving things within the game, so you don't feel like you've just lost everything, and that does encourage you to be risky and like weigh the, re risk, the risk and the reward of each playthrough, because you may have collected you know, 500 obelites that in any other game, because those are saved, you might not spend those, but in Returnal, you, there's always the chance you're going to come up against a tough enemy, and you might die, so it encourages you to weigh the risk of, well, maybe I should spend this money now on an upgrade that'll help me, uh, because who knows, maybe I'll come across a group of enemies that I that might just kill me, and I'll lose all that progress and go back to, to the start. So, uh, so I am enjoying it quite a bit. I will give you, for anyone who's struggled with the game and, and, and finds it very frustrating, last month they added a suspend cycle feature where you could stop anywhere in a cycle, and a cycle is essentially a life. So, uh, each cycle is, you know, in between your beginning at the ship and then your death. You could suspend a cycle at any point, the game will save, and then you can, contend, you can turn off your console and you can continue from that point uh, when you restart the console. That, that suspend point is then deleted once you restart the game from where you pick, you, or you pick up uh, in the game. But it does give you an option if you have to go somewhere, you have to do something, like it's not like it completely erases all your progress to turn off the game the console. One thing that makes it easier is since they introduce that suspend safe feature or that suspend cycle feature you can upload that to the cloud and let's say you go back in you start your game and you're playing again you start from where you you were playing and you die you can quit out of the game and you can download your save from the cloud and you can start from right where you were where your cycle your cycle was suspended so let's say you get to the second boss and you suspend the cycle right before the boss fight if you know uh upload that to the cloud and then from then on you can essentially go, if you could die to the boss, you can essentially start at the beginning of the boss fight every time as long as you shut out of the game and you download your save from the cloud. Oh, so, yeah. That is one little workaround that I think has been in the, since the uh, the update that allowed the, the suspend feature in early November. Uh, I have to know that Housemark knows about it because it's been pretty widely publicized, so I guess they intend to keep it in there. Um, but, Daryl, you've, you've talked about Returnal before and you listened to podcasts about it, and I think the last time you were on the show we were talking about it, uh, your thoughts and kind of anything that I had said that you kind of mesh with or anything you disagree with. No, you're hundred percent correct. And I played it pre um, suspend feature function. And so what I did was I've, I bought the game as a house fan. I've played all their games. I, I, I buy all their stuff, even the the game they did with that other, other guy uh, when they put out Matterfall and whatever the other, I can't remember the name of it now, but, I love Dead Nation, Alienation, Resogun, uh, Superstar Dust. Those are all great games. 
And so for me, I was like, anything they put out, I'll support, even before they were balled up by Sony, which I'm glad they were. And so uh, I bought Returnal knowing that it's not a, the ga- kind of game I'm into. And it plays like a dream. It's awesome. And so what I did was I got my son who loves like really hard games. And so we sat up here at my desk and was like, all right, we'll pass the controller. When you die, you pass it. And we made it to the first boss, but we we never beat it. And so we put, I don't know, three or four hours into the game. You know, the first time we tried it. And that was the only time we played it. I'll return to it, but see, uh, I, I kept hearing they were going to put this suspend you know feature in there. And I was like, well, that's kind of what I need to finish a game like this because you know, I'm, I don't, I, I try to fit my gaming in, in between other things that I'm doing. And like, you know, right now I'm, I'm juggling a lot of stuff, you know, between multiple podcasts, working full time, a family. And then I went back to school to become a mortgage loan officer. So like I just finished up my schooling. I've got my national test, my national exam in two weeks. So I can't, I can't juggle all this stuff and also play a game. that's just like, you could lose a four hour run, you know, in, in, in the blink of an eye. So yeah, uh, yeah. that one I had to wait on. I mean, I respect house Mark for making the game hard and, and wanting it to be a challenge because, Oh yeah. Yeah. It can be frustrating, but I've beaten the first two bosses. And when you do beat those bosses, because they are difficult, you feel a sense of accomplishment. I mean, your pulse is pounding and you're like, you know, when I finally was able to overcome both of them, I was like, yes, I like I actually felt that sense of accomplishment that, to be honest, I didn't feel while playing something like Ratchet and Clank. I love Ratchet and Clank a rift apart, but the bosses in that game weren't nearly as hard. So I didn't feel necessarily like the relief when I saw the trophy pop that I had beaten the boss. Thank so, you. I mean, I totally understand where you're coming from, Daryl, because even, you know, even me, I mean, like I have a family, I have a job, you know, I don't think that I'm juggling nearly as much as you are, but. I also want games to respect my time. So while yes, Returnal is difficult, and I do appreciate that about that, the the, the ability to cloud save my the suspended cycles is huge for me because who knows? Like I, I'm going to be honest, I, I want to play this game. I want to get through it because there's a story to it, and I want to see the story to the end. It's not just you know heavy action. Um, so there's multiple facets of this game that I want to see and it's an experience. But I also want to play other games and enjoy other games too. So it's like. I don't want to devote my entire life to playing this one game just to prove that I can beat this game that's just hard as nails. So I, I'm really glad they put out the suspend cycle feature and the fact that I'm assuming they're going to leave the functionality with with the cloud saving in as well. But uh, Returnal, I can easily see why it won Action Game of the Year at the Game Awards. Uh, very deserving and just, just spot on controls and just heavy action and and like i said it's just nice to see that even though housemark has moved away from the more arcade style games they've managed to fit it within this new game that they've worked on and they've managed to kind of uh turn the roguelike on its head here so they've done many great things within this one game and i i'm you know i really hope this game in the life over the lifetime sells really well really well i mean it's critically acclaimed which is always nice to see but i i just hope the sales are there for sony to either continue the series if they want to or let Housemark give give Housemark the freedom to do whatever they want which I'm assuming Absolutely. they would have but you know you don't want like a Sony Ben situation where they want to make a sequel to Days Gone and Sony says no right so uh, but yeah that is all I've been playing uh, we've been playing lots of good shit here gentlemen and I can only assume that 
you guys, uh, members of the Backlog Beatdown, the Warriors in the Backlog Beatdown, will be playing many, many good things as well. Daryl, you posted about this on the Facebook page, and uh, Backlog Beatdown is back with the volume number three. So what are the rules this year, Daryl? All right, so we wanted to make things more accessible this year. So this is the third time we've done it. We're calling it BLB3. Uh, the first year, it was every game you beat, you got a point for. Every game you 100% or platinum, you got an additional point for. Every game that you purchase, you lose a point because the idea is to beat the backlog, not add to the backlog. Um, by far, it was it was an awesome experience. We had so many people participating with us. It was an absolute blast. So then last year for the backlog beatdown, call your shot, we decided to make things a little more interesting. Uh, a little more complicated, if you will. But instead of just playing whatever you wanted with no you know, obligation to anything, we said, all right, Babe Ruth style, pick your, you know, call your shot. You know, pick what you're going to play, announce it to the group, and then work off your list. So every game on your list that you beat, you got a point. Every game that you uh, 100% or platinum, you got an extra point. And then anything that you abandon, anything you said, I, I, I can't, I'm not feeling this right now, or I, this game sucks, or blah, 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 you had to lose a point. Um, this one was a little more contentious. And this one, that the list itself and navigating around the list um, was just a bit of a headache all year long. And we had, we had, I had brought tons of guests on my show and I was just like, there's, there were certain people who would like, oh, I made a list of five games that in January I thought I wanted to play. And then come February, March, I'm like, I don't want to play any of these. And so then instead of just taking the negative and, and making a new list, they're like, I, I don't want to take a negative. I just didn't, didn't play. And so they would just essentially take the big L out of the whole competition. So, um, I think out of like 27 people we had in that one. We ended up with realistically about a dozen people participating throughout the year. And so this year we're like, okay, we've heard all the concerns and all of the, um, the opinions of all the people who have played in the past, who played this year and people, you know, like you guys that have kind of sat on the fence and just, you know, kind of witnessed from the sidelines. So I, I grabbed a group of people and I said, all right, here's what we want to do. I want you guys to come up with the, like the the rules for the, this next year, but we're doing away with the list. All right, so backlog beat down three. All right, it's already started. Started the first of the year. Um, we went ahead and dropped our episode. We recorded um, last night as the time of recording this. I put I edited everything, put it out this morning. Um, created a Facebook group for it, the whole nine. And and so no list. Any game you want to play. It counts, okay? The way we're scoring this year is for every game that has that you play and beat that released before 2022, you get two points. All right? Every game that you play and beat that released in 2022, you just get one point. The reason why we're doing that is because it gives extra points for the actual backlog, backlog games. Like but that. doesn't penalize people who want to play the latest and greatest, or maybe their main source of gaming is Game Pass, PS Now, uh, PS Plus, whatever. So, you know, there's games that come out day and date on all those services. So for those people, we decided, hey, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to say no, pen no, no penalty, because last year, we didn't, anything in 2021 just didn't count. You didn't take a negative for it, but you didn't take a positive for it either. Because, again, the spirit of the competition is to beat your backlog. 
Uh, but I do understand as someone who purchases a lot of games that just because I bought a 2021 game in 2021 doesn't mean I'm going to play it till 2025. So, Amen. <laughs> so, um, so this year, two points for games that came out before 2022, one point for games that came out in 2022. Now that's beating the games with, you know, screenshot of the credits, screenshot of your trophy stamps, whatever achievements, all that stuff. Um, now to get into the bonus points, uh, it's got to be to get the extra point for a hundred percent or a platinum. It's got to be at least a five hour long process, right? So no more of the rat spam, no more of these tricky visual novels, um, no more of these games that like you can platinum in an hour or less, you know, or two hours or less, whatever. If we're going to give a bonus point for completion, um, it's got to be a five hour minimum. Now, We've got multiple gaming websites that we're using to track this stuff. Uh, PlayStation trophies, PSN profiles, uh, XboxAchievements.com, all that stuff. We're not just using how long to beat because how long to beat is not always accurate. You know, you can play a Call of Duty campaign and it might take you, you know, eight hours, but someone speed ran it on easy and entered their time in and brings the completion time down to six hours, you know, something like that. So we're, we've got a a swath of sites that we're using to track everything. And we got a team of people that are kind of looking at it. So if there's anything in question, because God knows Tricky's going to question everything and he's going to have all need all kinds of exceptions so he can play. Uh, we've got multiple sites that we're using to source all that stuff. Um, and uh, so that's the bonus point for platinums and hundred percents, right? So then um, games need to be at least longer than an hour to get the 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 you know, first point for beating the game, okay. So, a game that wouldn't count would be like your Radalika games and things like that, your visual novels, whatever games that are over in thirty minutes or less, okay. But these visual, I mean, these uh, full motion video games, this Blood Shores, the uh, I saw Black Clouds, these F and V games that are about an hour to an hour and a half, those games would count for beating the game. Now we wouldn't give you the platinum, you know, point because that's less than five hours, but you know, we wanted to find that sweet spot for shorter games. Some indie games only take, you know, an hour to two hours to beat. We don't want to limit you guys on what you can and can't play this year. It's all about accessibility, getting in there, playing your games. If you're buying the games and you're spending the time on them, we want to make sure we count as many points as possible. Right. Still not digging into DLCs yet. Now, I know we're, we're having some conversations right now about case-by-case -case basis stuff because things like Assassin's Creed dropping 30-hour DLCs and games like The Witcher dropping these big DLCs. But it gets really, really hairy when you start weighing stuff on DLC, and it gets really time-consuming. So as it stands right now, DLC is off the table. If it's something massive that's not a standalone DLC, because in the past we've counted standalone stuff like um, your Last of Us DLC, um, technically Lost Legacy started as DLC, became its own game. Um, you know the uh, the infamous DLC that was uh, you know the Festival of Blood. We were just talking about that and um, First Light, things like that. Those, get out of hell. Yeah, the, the, yeah, get out of hell. Those came out as standalone releases. They have their own trophy list, all that stuff. They're they're their own games. Um, if it's, if you, if you have a DLC that you're passionate about and you, you want to have that conversation, you can submit all that stuff to JT, John Tancredi, 
He's got a team of people he's consulting with, and we're working on that stuff. But realistically, I don't want to spend all my game time trying to figure out whether or not you should get points for your game time. You know what I'm saying? So we want to make it fun. We want to keep it simple. So we're still, again, DLCs, still not still not on the table. Um, games have to be longer than an hour to get the plus one for beating the points. I'm beating the game. No region stacking. Okay, so the, the old tricky tricky rule of stacking them Asian plats and the uh, the European Turkish stores that is off the table. Um, and the reason why is only certain people will do the region stacking, and those people are typically the ones that abuse the trophy system. Anyways, myself included, I've done it. So what we've decided to do is for this event, if you want to play a game. Just play one version of the game, one one region of the game. Now, PS3 to PS4, there's two different games, two different discs, two different releases, whatever, that's fine. We'll allow console stacking. Well, obviously, the PS4 version of a game and a PS5 version of a game, we'll allow that. Um, but we're not doing the PS4, PS5 version of the North American, European, Hong Kong, Asian release, all that stuff. Does that make sense? Yes. Yep. Um, and then, of course, for the PC guys... Uh, you know, we'll do those. We'll do the PC storefronts. We'll we'll honor that as well. So, let's say you beat Alan Wake on, or, or is Alan Wake even on Steam? I think that's strictly that's not a good example. Whatever. If there's a Steam version of a game and an Epic version of a game and a GOG version of a game, whatever. That's essentially your different consoles. Anyways, they have their own ecosystems. They have their own trophy lists. Uh, like GOG has an achievement list. Uh, Steam has an achievement list, and then um. Epic has achievement slash trophy list, and they're even adding a platinum to theirs. So, like, we'll we'll treat those as if they're their own consoles. But when you're playing these various games, and you, you know, like, and you put in the groups, and you say, "Hey, I beat Alan Wake," hashtag BLB three, so we can count it. Um, make sure you let us know what you played it on, because we log all that stuff into the spreadsheet. And at the end of every year, we go through the spreadsheet, we we pull all that data out, and we have like a big backlog beat down, like recap. And we say, oh, the teams beat X amount of Xbox games, X amount of PC games, X amount of PlayStation games, and and we completed this much, blah, 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 stuff like that. So uh, the more information we have, the better to log everything. Um, the next thing we're doing is... Um, no auto plats, no auto popping platinums. So uh, that's why I'm watching Ghost of Tsushima. Okay. So let's say you beat a PS4 yeah, okay. version of a game last year, right? Spider-Man. You beat Spider-Man last year. You got the platinum or two years ago, whatever. But then you get the PS5 remaster version and you upload your save and you download your save on the PS5 version. It'll automatically pop all those trophies. Okay. If we see that on your uh, on your account, we're not counting those points. That doesn't count as beating a game. That doesn't count as platinuming a game. You know, we're not doing the auto plats. Okay, this is supposed to be for fun. Supposed to be for us to enjoy our games. We don't need no tricky business. Okay. And the last thing that we're doing this year that was different than last year and the first year is you can replay a game that you've already beaten, and it'll count. So. In previous years, what we did was a backlog consists of the games you have not beaten yet, but you owned, right? This right. year, what we're doing is if you own the game, you can play it this year. So let's say two years ago, you beat Alan Wake, right? On Xbox 360. All this talk of Alan Wake remaster, you want to play Alan Wake again. 
But in the in the previous years, we didn't count it because if you've already beaten it and you've already got those achievements, we couldn't track it, right? So we couldn't say, oh, well, you, well, you already beat that, so how do we know you played it again? So we're allowing you guys to do that stuff this time. Sega games, Super Nintendo games, blah, blah. But what we're asking is that when you report that you beat it, you have a screenshot of when you started it, a screenshot of your progress somewhere through it, with your save file, you know, timestamp, in-game, you know what I'm saying, percentage counter, something to just to say, hey, I'm actually playing this. I'm not just, you know, tricky downloading other game saves. And then, of course, your screenshot of your credits. Um, that way, and then, look, here's the thing, guys. None of this, none of these rules kind of getting into the weeds on who may or may not be cheating is for me or any of my teammates. <laughs> or and I, I say team in quotes. It's an individual event, but, you know, the Loot Bros guys, whatever. What happens is we we launch these events, and then you have certain members of the community, not naming any names, who spend the majority of their time debating what could and couldn't happen instead of playing the games, okay? So we tried to to limit all the BS. We want you guys to play and have fun. We want everyone to play. I want Alex to play. I want Yield to play. I want Homer to play. I want Nitro to play. I want Gareth to play. I want everyone to get involved. And every time you beat a game, post a, 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 your trophy stamp, your your screenshot, your credits, whatever, you know. And then um, you know, post it into, we created a Backlog Beatdown group. It's a public group. Anyone can go to it. It's called Backlog Beatdown 3. And uh, I posted um, some stuff in the Trophy Horse group, you know, and you can use the Trophy Horse group to post your screenshots and post your ta- hashtags and all that. Um, it just, we're trying to limit the amount of places we have to go and find everything so that when we give our weekly updates and we update the spreadsheet, we're not like missing stuff, you know? So, but yeah, this year is supposed to be about having a good time, beating games. And what we found in the past two years of doing this is the community works together. You know what I'm saying? They spur each other along. Everyone's talking about, oh, I'm playing this game. Oh, I'm playing this game. Oh, man, I had a really good time revisiting this. And the conversations around this has been so positive and so much fun that we're like, we're going to keep, we're going to do an event every year. You know, we'll change it up here and there. But this year, I think, is going to be the biggest one and hopefully the best one because it should be the easiest one to get involved in. So, you guys got any questions? Uh, well, real quick, the, year, the, the latest episode, I believe, of the Loot Bros is, uh, goes over this all as well. Uh, and yep. you actually posted a link to that on the Trophy Wars Facebook page. Uh, not about the numbers themselves or the rules, but so the banner that you use to pick for Backlog Beatdown, is that <laughs> background Def Jam Fight for New York? It sure is. <laughs> oh, I knew. I saw that and I was like, I've played that game before. That's a really good game. So the first year of the banner was Injustice 2. Um, the second year was uh, Mortal Kombat 11. And then this year I was like, you know what? We got to go old school. And so I went Def Jam. <laughs> nice. And you brought up Alan Wake. And it's actually like a, a point probably to make because you mentioned that you can play games you played before. But Alan Wake was, that's how I played Alan Wake originally, was it was on Steam. Now, I'm assuming that it's been pulled from Steam and it's only being sold on Steam because they have that deal with Epic. Remedy and Epic are kind of playing nicely now. Right. Um but I'm assuming if you have a, if you bought it previously, you could still play it on Steam. Absolutely, yeah. So. And and again, you know, it, it, for the most part, I, I mean, that's a. I feel like I just said a lot of rules, but realistically, it's easy stuff that 90% of people don't even fool with, anyways. You know, most people aren't going to play cheap, easy, crappy games and try to pass those off as points. 
most people are not going to be playing multiple regions and console stacking and auto popping their stuff. You know, for the most part, people play games that they either own or they're buying and they're full length games. And they're like, Oh, here's my point. Here's my, uh, here's my, uh, here's my completion. And we just use the hashtag BLB three for backlog beat down three. And then that way, when we you know search everything, we see your screenshots, we see your stuff, we add it to our spreadsheet and it's, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, it's, it's a real good time, man. And it's like, it's just, it's crazy watching everybody. I'm going to use a couple examples out of our community. So guys like uh, Redbeard Rick, um, Gareth, uh, you have guys like uh, James McCall, who, who they, they kind of, they use this competition to continue beating games. It's like, man, like I would not have finished five of these games. But because we had this competition, and I say competition, but it's really just a community event. We had this community event going where we're getting points and we're trying to be at the top of that that, that spreadsheet, that leaderboard. It was like, you know what? I'm going to push through this game. I'm going to see it through. And so many games, these guys, myself included, have been like, man, I'm glad I finished it because it was like a, a moment where I was losing interest. And then the game really turned around for me. So... Um, it's been it's been good and it's been a lot of fun. Again, lots of games, talking about lots of games, and that's and at the end of the day, that's what we're all doing. We're all enjoying this gaming hobby. We're talking about our games with each other, and um, it, uh, this thing really does, you know, bring everybody together in a sense. So, no, I think these competitions and the be legit, like they they are great for the community because yeah, I mean, yeah, people are gonna kind of quibble and and fight over the rules and be like. You know, hey, I mean, people get into the competition, so when they think that somebody else is cheating and they're playing fairly, like, yeah, people bring things up. And, you know, people, you know, people advocating for themselves, that's not a bad thing. But again, like you said in the rules, it's all about having fun. So don't get lost too much in the rules and, and you know, be competitive, but also, you know, at the end of the year, look back on what you've done, like Yield and I did a little earlier, and then Daryl giving us the credit for that. You know, look back at what you played that year and just all the great things you did within the gaming sphere. So no, I, yeah. I definitely, um, it's, it's, it's gotta be the right competition for me. Like I said, the trophy war back in 2016 was, it left a bad taste <laughs> in my mouth, but, uh, and some bad platinums on my trophy. Wild. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think these competitions are great. And it's just, it's going to take the right one to pull me back in. Uh, you know, even if I can't dedicate enough time to be number one or towards the top, I mean, I definitely think that, you know, via the rule set, Especially since, you know, I just played a bunch of Mega Man games and I would have gotten some points for that. And who knows, maybe be Backlog uh, Beatdown 3 is, is where I re-enter the fray. Yield, what about you? Sure, put my name in because, I mean, I mean, if all you got to do is just play games and then you get a point for that and a plat- point for another Platinum, sure. I you're you're going to do that anyways. <laughs> you, you all just went through that list, so I don't know if I'll top. Last year, this year, I'm shocked I got 34 Platinums this year. I think that's what I got, but um, sure. But Throw think my of, name in there. Think about that. Yield 34 Platinums, right? And the, most of those games were older than, than the year you were playing them. So that's yeah. a, that's potentially you know, 63, 66 points, and then the Platinums on top of that, so you add another 30-some-odd points to it. I mean, you're talking close to 100 points just from doing what you were going to do anyways. Anyway, yeah, that's why I'm like I I I like this rule set. So sure, throw my name in a hat. 
Good. Well, then all we're asking, and I'll post everything into the group. I would like for as many people to join the actual backlog beatdown group as possible. I make a new one every year. So it's not like you're stuck into a group that's going to be constantly giving you notifications forever. Every year we do a new one. And um, we just we try to focus where we place all that information. But we will be looking between Trophy Horrors, Loot Bros, and the Backlog Beatdown group. And you, know, you just post a screenshot of your credits, you know, your trophy stamp, whatever. Um, guys like Levi post like five and six photos of them playing the game you know so you actually get a little bit of a timeline of like oh here's some of the high points the things that he saw that he thought was really cool and then he tends to write a little bit of a review for his games as well so it's very very interesting little mini reviews little little timestamps, things like that and you just use the hashtag blb3 that way we can keep up with it and um yeah man it's a it's a lot of fun you know be legit spawned off of the backlog beatdown and i think this is the perfect marriage of the two because now you know you really have to you really got to go out of your way to find scummy games this time you know like you got to find the perfect game to fit that um you know five hour minimum on a platinum so well here's the thing daryl so backlog beat down three is already going down and a great way to start you off is to play some of the playstation plus free games for january because i'm gonna i'm gonna say it now a lot of people seem pretty happy about this list compared to the last couple months. Uh, the three games we'll be getting this year are Persona 5 Strikers for the PS4, Dirt 5 for the PS4 and PS5, and I know that's going to tickle Yield's bootlaces there. And uh, we got, finally, Deep Rock Galactic for the PS4 and PS5, which I don't know too much about, but I've seen a lot of hype for in the, the uh, days since they've announced this. So I'm just going to read from the PlayStation blog a little excerpt here. Deep Rock Galactic is a 1-4 player co-op FPS featuring ba- badass space dwarves, 100% destructible environments, procedurally generated caves, and endless hordes of alien monsters. Work together as a team to dig, explore, and fight your way through a massive cave system filled with hordes of deadly enemies and valuable resources. You will need to rely on your teammates if you want to survive the most hostile cave system in the galaxy. So, certainly sounds enticing. Uh, you gentlemen jumping on any of these? Yeah, man. Uh, I will, I mean, the Deep Rock Sure, you know, I'm I'm up for some some either couch co-op or online co-op with some people and Dirt Five, um I think that wasn't that the one that Nolan North is like the lead voice of, I think, for the campaign. Um it's I think it makes mention of Well, no, I don't see it here. I thought I thought no, it was there were but, two people involved with it, but I can't I can't find that right now. I'm I, I'm all for a good uh, rally racing game. I, I know it. I know it got re- good reviews. So, and yeah, I'll definitely, you... uh, I'll definitely check them out. Um, I've been, uh, <laughs> I've been playing a lot of racing games lately, and uh, I took several years kind of off of them, just haven't been interested. And now I'm kind of back with a vengeance. So, I'll definitely try Dirt Five. I think CJ actually said that. Um, he actually talked about that one not too long ago. Um, Persona 5 Strikers. I'm not a Persona fan, but uh, I've been been playing a lot of fighters lately as well. And so um, that's something that me and my, my youngest son do together a lot. We play fighters. So anytime we get a fighter, yeah, especially one that I wouldn't have paid for personally, but hey, they gave it to us. So I will definitely download it and we'll play. And then uh, Deep Rock Galactic. I was watching some game, some some footage on it. It looks interesting. It looks a little 
Um, no Man's Sky-ish is kind of what it reminded me of. So uh, we'll see on that one. Yeah, I mean, I think that if with that one, the best time to jump in is going to be as soon as it comes out. And by the time you listen to the show, the games will be out. So the games are going to come out and be available for free for PlayStation Plus members on the 4th. Uh, so by the time you hear this, you'll be able to download it or might have already played it. But I think because it's free for PlayStation Plus, the best day, best time to jump in is going to be right away. Because I feel like that's the when the community is going to be the strongest and that's when it's going to be the easiest to... I mean, I don't know what the co-op setup is going to be like. I don't know if you can just matchmake or something like that or you've got to play with friends. But for the sake of just having a healthy online community, it probably would be the best to, to jump in right away. Yeah, they've definitely been adding a lot of community-focused games to Plus lately. And I mean, that's probably because they want to get people entangled in these games and, and playing, you know, persistent games or games that they, they can play with people instead of just like knocking out a story-based game and, you know, over how many hours or how many couple days and just going yeah. on to the next one. So I'm not complaining. It's definitely, um, I've been getting a lot of games that I haven't purchased before lately, and that's very new for me. So <laughs> I'm all about this. This is I, good. I, I've been doing that towards towards about midway of the year and on, I've been kind of trying to expand my gaming horizons a little bit. Heck yeah. yeah. Same. I've been playing a lot with our community lately and you know, I've really appreciated playing with these guys and enjoyed it. You know, they've, they seem to have enjoyed it the same. So, you know, these games, these plus games that we all essentially have access to have been great additions to the library. And it's like, wait, what do you guys want to do? What do you want to do for a community game night? Or what do you want to work on for trophies for the team? Oh, well we all have this because it was free with plus. And so that's been, it's been a, a, a good thing lately. So. I forgot I was going to say there. I had it and I lost it. But, uh, and if you're not sure about any of these games, maybe you want to check them out on some kind of social service or see other people playing them, why not head to Twitch? This next story comes via Destructoid and author Chris Moise. Uh, The headline is, Twitch viewership saw a year-on-year growth of 45% across 2021. Quote, there seems to be no stopping the steamroller success of the internet's premier live streaming service, Twitch. Indeed, across 2021, the site has seen a huge 45% year-on-year increase in viewership figures when compared to the previous year. Altogether, this equates to some 24 billion hours spent watching other people gaming, painting, bathing, and sleeping. The new figures, tabulated by the numbers crunchers over at Rainmaker.gg, name check three specific titles as having achieved over 1 billion hours in viewing figures. There will be no odds uh, offered against wild guesses as the three games in question are, unsurprisingly, Rockstar's Moneymaker Grand Theft Auto V, 2.1 billion hours, Riot Games' uber-popular MOBA League of Legends, 1.8 billion hours, and of course, Epic Games' Battle Royale Juggernaut Fortnite, a modest 1 billion hours. Obviously, the cumulative total of 24 billion includes all forms of streaming, including presentations, tournaments, TV shows, and and restreams. Anyway you slice it, the numbers are jaw-dropping as online streaming continues to cement its role as the modern form of te- television inter- televisual entertainment. With each and every passing year, flicking through the TV channels becomes more of an antiquated concept with streaming services like Netflix, video sharing sites such as YouTube, and live streaming platforms such as Twitch and Facebook Gaming, which clocked 5.3 hours itself over the course of the year, becoming a de facto viewing choice for those looking while uh, looking while away the couch hours. I think they meant looking to while away the couch hours, but uh yeah, in quote. So Twitch is huge. I mean, that's no surprise. People are making careers out of Twitch and making serious money off of Twitch. Uh not necessarily us. I mean, we do our Rocket League's Twitch streams every Thursday and we love doing those. We have a lot of fun uh 
playing, uh, taking the field uh, in Sakar and, and taking on the internet trolls and the, uh, and, you know, the people who are, are generally um, polite and, you know, good sportsmen. So we, we get a mix of both. But I think we have a lot of fun on Twitch. It's kind of crazy to me to think that there are people that spend so much time watching other people play video games. And maybe it's just like, hey, you have a tw- your favorite Twitch streamer on in the background while you're playing a game or watching something. You know, I mean, it's not just about gaming, like they mentioned in the article. Or in the article, some people just get in there and chat with their their you know their community. So it's not all about just watching somebody else play another game. But on the other hand, I guess it's not crazy because I remember back in the day when I was younger watching my stepbrother play through like Final Fantasy VII, and I wasn't doing anything. I was just sitting there eating pizza while he was playing. So I guess I kind of get it, but it kind of underscores that you know maybe people aren't watching. I mean, more people are canceling their cable subscriptions than ever and relying on netflix or amazon prime video or hulu or maybe just sticking to twitch either you guys watch a lot of twitch i assume i know yield's answer but no uh, i don't ne- i don't really watch twitch at all like um i've got like my brother he's a twitch streamer he's an affiliate i don't think he's partner yet um, and then one of our co-hosts for the Loot Bros, uh, the Bearded Nerd, he is um, he's affiliate as well. I don't think he's partner. And so, like, I'll kind of peek at theirs every now and again. Um, it's it's actually kind of a shame because you just said like sometimes people put it on in the background while they're playing games, and that would be a really good way to support them. And <laughs> and like while I'm doing something, I don't ever think about it like that. Um, I do a little Twitch streaming, you know, usually once a week with my kids, we've been going through like the five nights at Freddy's games. And so I don't, I'm not like uh, huge into it. Um, we don't necessarily adhere to a schedule, uh, but it's, uh, it's fun. It's fun to do and it's fun to interact with the community. So it's definitely, um, and like right now, once a month, myself and the bearded nerd are doing like a, a movie review from like the DC animated films. Cause there's like 53 of them or something like that. So once a month we kind of review a film and we're doing them in chronological order. So I don't mind Twitch streaming. I just don't really think about it enough to watch it when I'm doing other things or I've never ever thought about just watching it for fun. It's wild to me that there's so much like billions of hours on certain games and it's so big and I'm like, Oh yeah, that exists. And that's the thing that I participate in. But I, I don't really YouTube that much either, so I'm not a, I'm a little behind the times, I guess. I mean, we all spend our our leisure time in any way we want to, so I mean, it's it's not necessarily good or bad that anyone watches Twitch or doesn't watch Twitch. I mean, it's great that people have found an outlet where they can make a living for themselves. Absolutely. You know, not everyone can do it, but the fact that there's more to do out there and people are finding new ways to make money, I mean, I think that's great. You know, and, and it's like I. I a lot of times, you know, people put hard work into video games, so I do definitely want to listen to the music. I want to listen to the sound effects and the sound design. You know, I talk about I've talked about Dead Space so many times and how much I love the sound design and that the this the score to Okami, and you know, so I do enjoy listening to games. But there's a lot of times when going through a platinum list where you may have to play a game twice, or maybe you've played a game once before, and you know, you you know what it's like, and you've you've heard all the big story beats, so you know what's going on. And you turn on a podcast or something and just kind of catch up there or, you know, you're, you're, you know, you just have like a, a television show on in the background or something you're not going to pay too much attention to. I guess it's the same thing as Twitch, but yep. I mean, we, I don't really watch Twitch. I mean, we, like I said, we stream Rocket League, but I don't get on there and watch Twitch a whole lot because I, like I said, there's all sorts of media that I'm tuned into. So between Netflix and 
YouTube and podcasts. Like, I mean, that's just a lot of, you know, sources kind of sucking my attention away. So just don't really have a lot of time in there for Twitch. But I mean, it's not surprising, but at the same time, the numbers are crazy that it's has become as big as it has. Absolutely. And for those of us that love to watch movies, and I'm, I'm sure that's that's most of us, Guillermo del Toro is one of those names that carries a lot of weight in the movie industry, and, and in recent years also in the video game industry as well. A uh, little bit of a more sad note here uh, when it comes to Guillermo del Toro, and I guess with everything that's happened recently, I shouldn't say too sad. He's perfectly fine. You know, we, we recently had to deal with the death of Betty White. And John Madden, and there's, you know, over the last couple of years, there's been a lot of big deaths. So I don't want to be, like, sad and paint this in, like, a terrible light as we move into 2022. But no, um, this article comes from IGN.com, written by Adam Bankhurst. Guillermo del Toro doesn't think he'll ever develop a game again. Quote, Academy Award-winning director Guillermo del Toro, who, once attached, who was once attached to Kojima's Silent Hills project with Hideo Kojima, has said he doesn't think he will ever try to develop a game again. Uh, as reported by GameSpot, Del Toro appeared on the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast and confirmed that he was not working on any Silent Hill-related projects. His question arrived after Del Toro made an appearance at the Game Awards 2021 and playfully said he loved the art direction Silent Hill and hoped that we all get a new one soon. Uh, despite saying that he loves the idea of gaming as a storytelling exercise, he doesn't think he would develop a game again because he's the albatross of video gaming. Uh, Del Toro said these same words in 2015 and appears he is sticking to his promise. While that may not be uh, news, uh, while that may not be news, the fans of Del Toro's work might have wanted to hear. He at least shared a few more thoughts about the canceled Silent Hills project he was working on with Kojima. It's just one of those things in my life that makes no sense. Del Toro said of Silent Hills cancellation, "I kind of just wanted to tickle the ribs of Konami because I don't understand. That was so perfect. What we were going to do was so enthralling." Silent Hills was announced following the release of PT, a terrifying gameplay experience that, once completed, revealed itself as a teaser for the game that would be led by Del Toro and Kojima and would and would star The Walking Dead's Norman Reedus. The game would never see the light of day, and Konami said it even, would even remove PT from the PlayStation Store in 2015. While the trio of Del, Del Toro, Kojima, and, never, and Reedus never got to make Silent Hills, they all did work together on Kojima's projection, Kojima Productions' Death Stranding. Reedus was the star of the game, while Del Toro lent his likeness to the character known as Deadman. Uh, prior to the Konami d- uh, drama, Del Toro was once working on Insane for the Saints Row developer Volition, but that survival horror game was all- also failed to make it across the finish line. So I guess when he says that uh, he's the albatross, it- it's the fact that he's worked on a couple games that didn't work out, both of them being survival horror games that seemingly had a lot of promise. Uh, Daryl, I know that you are, uh, I'm assuming that you're a huge Silent Hills fan because you like survival horror and you're, it's... When you think of survival horror, the survival horror, the first kind of games that come up classically are Resident Evil and Silent Hill. Absolutely. That's my favorite genre. 100%. But did you ever, have you ever played any Silent Hills or did you download? Because I never played PT, but I know that there was so much excitement around it. Oh yeah, I did. I played it and it was, it was everything everybody says about it. Like there were times where I was getting jump scared out of just the, the tension some of the crazy stuff they whipped in there, like that was incredible. The fact that it was just as a demo, a tech demo. It was the most unique tech demo, one of the most unique experiences I've ever played. It was it was awesome, and it was truly terrifying. And uh, I think on one or two of my YouTube channels, I don't remember which ones I've got it on because we had started some early in our podcasting days. 
But I've got a video of myself and one of our old co-hosts playing through PT, what, the, the entire thing. And it's just, it's awesome. But it is super tense. Yeah, and I mean, that was a heartbreaker when not only they removed it from the store, but also announced that Silent Hills wasn't going to be coming out. Because that's a game series that people want to see flourish. It's a classic survival horror game series that people want to see flourish. So, And the fact that it has survived is long in the, because I don't know what the last game in the series was. It wasn't Shattered Memories, was it? No, uh, I believe Downpour was the final on um, PS3 and Xbox 360 was the final actual f- big title. Um, then there was the Book of Memories that was on the Vita. But that wasn't really like a, it was a Silent Hill titled game, but it was like a dungeon crawler. It wasn't, it wasn't a horror game. It was their, one of their worst rated games. As a matter of fact, Silent Hill has had, really hasn't had good luck in, in general. So like their last few games were not well rated at all. So, but to be fair, like even though it's been a while since, even though you said that, and it's been a while since a proper game came out, I feel like still like the excitement for for Silent Hills is still there. Like I don't feel like it's ever waned. Oh no, no, people are. I mean, that it has a dedicated community. Um, there's been so much time since we got a, a a Silent Hills game that like the people want it. Like they want it now more than ever. And then Del Toro's little teaser, well, even I mean, it made me pop. I was like, whoa, he said it. That means they're doing something. But then he goes on to say, nah, we're really not. Well, I mean, Konami, just, Konami did say they're trying to fall back on their, I mean, we talked about on the show a couple months back, but they're falling back on their most prized franchises and they're trying to do something with those. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe they're going to try to reinvigorate Silent Hill and actually maybe succeed. I don't know that we should all have that much faith in Konami, but if they... You know, find people to work with and outsource it. Who knows? Maybe we may get it. You know, what's funny is when I first started podcasting and first got to know um, Tricky, (laughs) we we had whole episodes where he just would come on my show and just say F Konami. (laughs) And and we we, we, uh, deemed Konami the, the suck clan. And uh, it's, (laughs) it's pretty interesting how the majority of my time podcasting and, and, and talking and covering games, has just been a Konami hate and they've done nothing but hurt me over and over and over because they've destroyed the Contra franchise. You know, the last handful of Silent Hill games, I bought them. I played them. They weren't great. They weren't the worst games I ever played, but then they, they canceled PT and Silent Hills and it just, I don't know, man, they, they, I have no faith in Konami, even though I want them to come back. I want to see them do well. But if they're going to distance themselves from, you know, Kojima, which obviously that was a nasty breakup, but, but from Del Toro and and if they go another route, man, they, I don't know, they had a good, good fighting chance to make a, a, a good game with the crew that they had. And I don't know what they're going to do now, if they do anything. Well, in general, I really kind of wish... I mean, I would like to see Konami make it right, but it, I also want to see them kind of sell off their properties, like give Castlevania Nintendo and maybe sell Silent Hill and uh, Metal Gear Solid to Sony. Uh, you yep. know, I mean, they can. I, I trust that if they sold something to Microsoft, they could Microsoft could do some some good with it too. I just don't know exactly what would fit well within Microsoft's portfolio, but yeah, I mean, it, it, the whole situation just sucks because Guillermo del Toro not only just. He didn't really have a chance in games, and the guy is brilliant. I mean, look at his film work in Pan's Labyrinth and The Orphanage. I, you know, his work with Hellboy. I loved 
Pacific Rim, and then I'm, I wasn't a huge fan of Crimson Peak necessarily, but he's got a lot of really good movies out there that he's had his hands on. So oh, the yeah. fact that he wasn't able to, you know, do it, like he, he lent his likeness to Death Stranding, but the fact that he couldn't kind of do more work in the video game industry when he was actually excited to do it and he's done so much good work is just extremely disappointing. Yeah, it's very unfortunate, but, you know, maybe something will change. You know, maybe we'll we'll just have faith that that something good will come from this and and maybe he's, you know, pulling I mean, he's friends with Kojima, so there Kojima is a trickster. So maybe maybe he's got uh Del Toro trying to be a trickster as well. Maybe it's a sleight of hand, smoke and mirrors. Maybe. They're trying to they're trying to take our eye off the game. There you go. Trying to get our guard down so they can hurt us. We yield or Daryl uh, got our last big big topic here. Did either one of you ever play Bully? I have not. I watched a buddy play it. Okay, well, if you don't know, Bully was a kind of like set at a prep school instead of you know like like it came after Grand Theft Auto, but it was like kind of the same style, kind of sandboxy, like a, a much smaller game, but sandboxy, and you would go around and create like you would go through like story based missions, and like you were this character Jimmy. And it was about you just going, like, surviving and just going to school at a prep school and dealing with all the different social groups and everything. It was a really fun game. Kind of, I mean, when somebody pitched it at first, I can imagine somebody being like, that's probably not going to be as successful. But for some reason, like, when it comes to, you know, Rockstar and what they could do, they worked their magic and they took some of the stuff they learned from Grand Theft Auto. And even though it wasn't the exact, like, it, it was a little different and obviously not as violent, so probably didn't impress as many people. Uh, it was a really fun game, and they definitely pulled some magic with Bully, so much so that people have been asking for a sequel for years. And a recent Game Informer, Game Informer, Informer article based on interviews they've done with past Rockstar employees kind of shed a little bit more light on the situation with Bully and, and where it was at. Uh, so this is going to be a, a big read, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to read a lot of this. Uh, but again, the article comes from Game Informer, and the give proper credit to the author, uh, Blake Hester. So from the article, oh shit, I gotta pull it up here. Would help if I had. Where the hell is the goddamn agenda? Okay. And it escaped you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's a big article, so please give it a read because they definitely do give some insight into the founding of Rockstar New England, which was the studio that uh, was tasked with making Bully Two. Uh, they also did Bully Scholarship Edition. Uh, but they've got a lot of the things, a lot more details than I'm going to read on, you know, what, how everything fell apart, how the uh, culture at Rockstar changed, some of the problems there, but also how the studio was formed and some of the background on the studio itself pre-Rockstar. Quote, to find out exactly what the studio was planning with Bully 2, and again, that's Rockstar New England, and why it was ultimately let go in favor of other projects, we recently spoke to five former employees from Rockstar New England studio and one from its New York City headquarters, most of whom requested anonymity out of fear of repercussion from Rockstar. Their story is one of shifting company cultures, tech, and that would finally find its way into Rockstar Games as late as 2018's Red Dead Redemption 2 and disappointment over the thing, the way things went. Those tough times would be alleviated by a new partner. Um, okay, so sorry, I... I apparently pulled a quote here from a mid-paragraph. Uh, uh, but basically, uh, Rockstar bought a company, a little development team called uh, Mad Doc Software, which they tasked with um, developing the Bully Scholarship Edition. Uh, Mad Doc led, led the development of Scholarship Editions Xbox 360 and Windows PC versions released in March and October 2008, respectively, while Rockstar Toronto developed the Wii port. 
In April 2008, Rockstar announced that it had acquired Mad, Mad Doc Software for an undisclosed amount and renamed the studio Rockstar New England. Three different developers told us that the game's open-world map wouldn't have been as big as that of, say, Grand Theft Auto 4, but their estimates on its planned scope describe it as ranging from the size of Grand Theft Auto Vice City's open world to three times the size of the original Bully School's map. While it would have lacked in overall size, it would have made up for in-depth. For example, Rockstar New England planned to make every building in the game enterable, either by normal means or by forced entry. If you could see it, you could go there. One former developer on the project says, The player was not going to be driving a car anywhere, so the total playable space and land size was definitely going to be smaller. Another developer says, Mostly because kids, he's not going to be driving, and also because we wanted these very deep systems. Like, you can go into every building, that's a lot of work. We'd rather not have a really massive world, Maybe scale that back a little bit just so that we can make sure that all these uh, that we have all these meaningful things in there. Bolstered by Rockstar New England's pedigree and in artificial intelligence, the studio is experimenting with ways to make the player's action more meaningful than in previous Rockstar games. Take, for example, the honor system in the first Red Dead Redemption. If protagonist John Marston helped as non-playable character, his honor rating rises. But if the player directs Marston to commit crimes, then Marston's honor falls. While this affects how NPCs react to Marston out in the world, Specific NPCs don't remember his individual actions. In Bully 2, however, Rockstar New England was trying to develop ways for characters to remember Jimmy, for there were to be good and bad consequences for his actions. We really wanted to make sure that people remembered what you did, so if you pulled a prank on your neighbor, they'd remember it, says one developer. That your actions had more meaning beyond a 20-foot radius and a 5-second memories of the non-playable characters near you. Parts of the system can be seen in Red Dead Redemption 2. Two developers tell Game Informer. Players see changes in protagonist Arthur Morgan's behavior based on his honor. If Morgan has high honor, he's a more compassionate character. If Morgan has low honor, he's driven by greed and apathy. Similarly, if Morgan robs a store, he can't just walk back into it a few minutes later as if nothing happened. The store clerk remembers Morgan and denies him service, asking him to leave. The way you interact with other characters in the world, more than just with your gun or your fist, they have some sense of memory. A lot of that stuff originated in Bully 2, one developer says. From what I remember reading in some of the design docs and my conversations with people is that you could build relationships with characters in the world. He says about Bully 2, you'd be like best friends with the chef in the mansion or whatever, or the chef could really hate you or something, and that would open up different options. I don't know to the extent of where that ended up. If that got pared down in general, you're good Jimmy versus you're bad Jimmy or what, but I know that some of the early ideas being thrown around, you would have fine-grained levels of relationships to other characters in the world. Multiple people on the project describe an in-depth climbing mechanic plan for the game, when exploring the open world, Jimmy would be able to climb trees, fences, and ledges on top of roofs, as well as out of his window when sneaking out. Trees were obviously a big one. We wanted the player to be able to climb up the tree to hide or some or do some hijinks with all sorts of things like paintball guns or water balloons, all sort of stuff, a former developer says. When the developers put out a lot of work into figuring out how the climbing would be implemented in Bully, they never got far enough in development to completely nail it down, according to three former developers on the project. Housing these new features was a vertical slice of Bully 2 that Rockstar New England had up and running. According to four developers at the studio and one person at Rockstar's New York City headquarters, Bully 2 was playable. Developers could run around the world and interact with objects and non-playable characters, and there were some missions, such as one involving go-karts, another one with a beekeeper, and a, a, a Camp Krusty-style mission, and one that had Jimmy in his underwear, even featuring a bulge. There was a lot of 80s kids-on-bikes movies like Goonies that came up as references. Porky's was another commonly used movie uh, for reference. He says, We looked at a lot of these things, it's definitely in that style. As one developer on their project recalls, the team had mapped out all the terrain for the game's world. Additionally, NPCs were walking around doing various day-to-day tasks, building houses and within the game uh, were starting and building and buildings and houses within the game were starting to become feature complete. Though he points out that they weren't in shippable form yet. 
The game was at least six to eight hours playable, says Mark Anthony Rodriguez, a former game analyst for Rockstar's New York City headquarters and one of the project leads on Bully Scholarship Edition. So fully re- fully rendered, fully realized. Two developer two developers, Game Informer spoke to estimate that if Bully had continued, Bully Two would have still have needed two or three more years before it was ready to be shipped. But those years won't come. Over time, Rockstar began pulling people off the project and putting them on other in-development games that needed help. The developers Game Informer spoke to, once anyone got pulled off Bully 2, they never returned. In 2010, Rockstar New England began pulling people off Bully 2, developers say, having them focus solely on projects like Max Payne 3. This this point in Rockstar New England's history made it, uh, marks a decided shift in tone. While most developers speak fondly and slightly about their work on Bully 2, when talking about projects such as Max Payne 3 and Red Dead Redemption, their tone turns dour. The developers make two main points regarding the specific time in Rockstar New England's history. One is the crunch. Developers describe months-long crunch periods where they'd have to work late into the nights and on the weekends, sometimes between 12 and 16-hour days. Others describe joining a project only to immediately start crunching or crunching on one project just to be rolled onto another one project, and they'd have to crunch on that one, too. One developer speaking to Game Informer used the word endless to describe the crunch at the studio. I mean, it was just ridiculous. One former developer says, describing the development of Red Red Dead Redemption. I know it won Game of the Year, and that is great and satisfying, but the approach to the film was just, it was ridiculous. It took no one's life outside of work into account. You know, you're usually like, oh, I've got to get out this out. We want to try and hit this, another developer says. So everybody really works hard, like, a week, two weeks. But then when the milestone ended, they're like, well, this try this and preemptively fix the things that we know they're going to say. So we'll just keep crunching until we get word back. And then we wouldn't get word back for six more weeks or something like that. So people were kind of breaking. It was breaking people quickly. As developers describe it, they felt they were expected to do by, expected by other people within the company to prove their dedication to Rockstar through long hours, and they would be harassed when trying to leave the studio. When it came for time for you to leave, it was just trying to get out and without being harassed out of the way. When it came time for you to leave, it was just a lot of trying to get out the door without being harassed on the way out. One former developer tells Game Informer, the culture just it just changed. Another former developer said. I saw the people previously I really liked become sycophantic, and then there was the whole bodies in the chairs thing, you know? You didn't have to do the work, but you're going to be here on the weekend because there's some studio head that's going to be walking around. This doesn't even get into the off-work hour stuff when I, when it, were, it was just it was just hard-working frat house. There is an age and a person that was really drawn to that. Rockstar, in my opinion, is well aware of this. Rockstar has never said anything publicly about Bully 2 being in development, we weren't able to confirm whether there was anyone at Rockstar New England or any other Rockstar studio still working on the project, although one developer says a build of the game still existed at Rockstar New England as recently as a few years ago, parts of which were used as reference material for later projects. So, yeah, a whole lot of reading there got caught up at a certain points, but I thought it was important to read a lot of the article because Bully 2 has been one of those games that's been kind of um, almost a, a game like a really highly anticipated sequel people have wanted it for years and just kind of like a lot of rumors surrounding the game itself like i said go read the article there's a ton more there than even i just read but i, I think the biggest takeaways are that you know we have in depth you know we actually have confirmation that bully 2 was in development and, and in development quite a bit or you know there was quite a bit to show there and the fact that you know they have taken stuff that was in development for bully 2 and put it into other games other larger games and i guess the fact that they just, uh, the team was just pulled away to do other projects and just kind of this focus changed to Rockstar, which kind of has led to the Bully 2 being in limbo. But, you know, if you, if either one of you guys ever have a chance to go back and play Bully 2 or any in the audience, Bully 2, if you guys ever have a chance to go play Bully, I would say go ahead and do it because it's available on the PS, uh, on the PSN and it's usually pretty cheap. I mean, they put it on sale quite often, so it's a game definitely yeah, worth like playing. F- 
It's like fourteen ninety nine right now, and I, I've looked at it so many times, and I've never heard anyone say a bad thing about Bully. It's just one of those games that I'm like, okay, well, when I'm ready to play it, I'll buy it. That's just that's another. I don't know why because I buy everything else. And <laughs> no, <laughs> it's it's a super fun game. You can get it cheap, and even if you don't like Grand Theft Auto, like it's a different. Yes, it's a sandbox game, but it's also got a much different tone, a more tongue in cheek tone than Grand Theft Auto. So there's like there's a lot more charm to it. And there's just a lot more fun to be had in Bully. Like, the fun in Bully is that, you know, the shenanigans that you can get into and just kind of the the humor in it and just kind of like the escapades that you get into as a young kid at um, a boarding school or a, uh, a private school. Whereas Grand Theft Auto is fun because you can create all kinds of mayhem and just do all kinds of illegal shit. So it's definitely two different tones. But, I mean, Bully is definitely a, a lot of fun. Sweet. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely play that. It's that's a game I'll play eventually. I, I love Rockstar games. I love uh, you know GTA style games, but it's just one of those that has escaped me. But maybe this year, maybe that'll be some points I put on the board. Yeah, and before we wrap up and uh, wrap up this episode of Trophy Horrors and, and give you our shout outs, uh, one of the people that has points on the board here in the PlayStation community or excuse me, the Trophy Horse community and the PlayStation community overall is Shuhei Yoshida, the head of PlayStation Indies, SIE, that being Sony Interactive Entertainment. Uh, this comes from the PlayStation blog and it's Shuhei Yoshida's favorite PlayStation Indie games of 2021. And I just want to give you guys, uh, you know, we talked a lot about the Game Awards and some of the larger games from that, but in, and there are some indie games that definitely got a lot of love on that, but I kind of want to you know, just read this and kind of highlight some of the, the other games that maybe you've never heard of. And, you know, throw some love to Shuhei Yoshida, who's not necessarily a mascot for the show, but we certainly have mentioned Shuhei more than any other uh, exec at Sony ever. Even more than Kazurai, I believe. So, from the PlayStation blog article, Hello everyone, how was your 2021? For me, 2021 has given me opportunities to play more games than in previous years, as having access to PlayStation 5 not, has not only removed most of the wait time to get into games I want to play, but also their loading times thanks to the console's blazingly fast SSD. Definitely a, a little uh, marketing there. Marketing we'll, speed we'll right forgive there. You, Shuhei. <laughs> Throughout the year, we have seen lots of amazing, charming, beautiful, and totally engaging indie games on PS4, PSVR, and PS5. Here are 12 of my personal favorites. 12 games, man, Shuhei, you can't really whittle it down, can you? Uh, the game <laughs> list is Ender Lily's Coitus of the Knights. Uh, yeah, but Chicory, uh, A Colorful Tale, it was the game that featured the little cartoon dog that had the paintbrush and you were just kind of reviving the color in the world that, that uh, Chicory lived in. Uh, the next game is Doki Doki Literature Club Plus. Not sure what that's about. Puzzling Places. Fist, Forge, and Shadow Torch, which is a game that I've talked a lot about. Love that game. It is fantastic. Especially if you love the Metroidvania-style brawlers. Hades, and I don't think Hades came out this year, but I think what, or last year, but I think what Shuhei's re referring to is that Hades finally came to PlayStation last year. Kina, Bridge of Spirits, which is another game I played and enjoyed. Uh, very difficult, uh, but uh, once once that game's, game gets going, like, I enjoyed it, but also it's kind of a slow starter where it doesn't seem super remarkable at first, but then once you get into it and when it starts to ramp up, it gets really good. Also really, really good music in that game. Song in the Smoke is the next game followed by Jet the Far Shore, Death's Door, Solar Ash, which is another game that I've looked at solely based on its uh, its awesome art style, and the, well, the fact that it comes from Annapurna Interactive. Annapurna Interactive. I know they do good stuff. And finally, we end up with Among Us. Uh, you gentlemen interested or played any of those games? I don't think Yield has played anything on the list. No, I think I have. 
Because you haven't played Kena. I don't know. I, Daryl might have played Kena. Not yet. Uh, it's on my no. list to play. And Daryl Hades, that's a game you might have played. Uh, I haven't haven't done Hades yet either, but I have put spent a ton of time in Among Us. That game is really really fun, especially with the kids. Um, it's cross play on every platform. So um, yeah, we've got oh, we've got it on iPhone, we've got it on Xbox, we got it on PC, we've got it on PlayStation, and it's got some pretty pretty. Um, I won't say but they're easy trophies. They, they flow pretty consistently as you're playing. So um, Among Us is one of those. Really, anyone can play it of any skill level. It's a lot of fun, and like I said, if you got kids or you got young ones that that are that'll play with you, that's a that's a great one to play. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I can personally uh, recommend both Kena and Fist, and then Hades. Of course, it's gotten a ton of love, and I I, I want to go back and check out Chicory, a colorful tale, because obviously I, I've been playing Returnal, and you know, by the time I get through that and deep rock galactic and horizon i may need a palate cleanser who knows maybe i'll need a palate cleanser in between some of these games and chicory seems like a good uh bet for that and uh solar La- solar ash just to kind of read the little ex- excerpt from that it says glide across clouds and grind on rails in a fantastic sci-fi world between combating foes and defeating leviathan sized bosses explore exploration wield collectibles and deepen the story of this world fast well you might have me sold there on the leviathan sized bosses because i do love me some big bosses just why Shadow of the Colossus is my favorite game ever. But yeah, um, just went in on that little positive note there from our friend Shuhei Yoshida over at PlayStation. I'd like to think we're friends there after all these years of mission his name on our podcast, name dropping <laughs> him here. Uh, but yeah, guys, uh, before we get out of here and do any shout outs, you guys got anything to add, anything you want to name drop here on the show? I mean, Daryl, you, you have a podcast, sir. Why don't you tell them where the name of that podcast and where they can find it? Yes, yeah, so uh, uh, I am the host of the Loot Bros podcast. Uh, we put out a show every single Monday, uh, general gaming, and sometimes we tell some jokes. We like to think we're kind of funny, uh, but we do. We have a Patreon. We have uh, multiple spinoff shows that we do. We do. We have a comic book show called the Loot Bros Comic Cast. Uh, my co-host Josh Adams, he actually just got signed to a comic book production company so he's going to be putting out some stuff here Boom. in the spring yeah it's really really dope uh it's a company called legacy comics um they actually are putting out their first wave of books in the beginning of 2022 i actually just uh interviewed the um the founder and editor-in-chief of legacy comics patrick hickey jr and he's a voice actor he's been in some video games as well uh, he's a published author. He does, uh, you know, the the that documentary series, the games that made us. Yeah, there's, the, there's been the a whole lot of stuff us? that spawned from that, like the toys that made us and the movies that made right, us. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. He writes the books, so he's done like several of those. Um, I think he said he's done like a lot of the older system stuff. Tons of interviews with game devs and things like that. So the dude's got his hand in everything. But he was on our show a few weeks ago. Um, so yeah, you can find us on YouTube, uh, Apple Pod, Apple Podcast, uh, Podbean, uh, Castbox, Google Play, all that stuff. Loot Bros Podcast. We we do all kinds of stuff, man. And and then I sh- I stream a little bit with my kids on Twitch uh, for Resident Daryl is my Twitch name. And uh, I'm assuming no type of schedule for that because when it's with the kids, it's kind of anytime you guys get a free chance. Yeah, yeah. 
typically Sunday nights, <laughs> but uh, you know, tree, yeah, no, 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 it's all good, man. Like I said, we don't, we're, we're not committing to anything. You know, we, we try to do it every week to two weeks and we've just been kind of knocking out games, that, that little horror games they're interested in. But um, we've been playing a bunch of stuff all weekend, and I told them I was filling in for Tricky tonight. So they were like, yeah, that's fine. No big deal. We appreciate that, and uh, we appreciate your kids for willing to, to give up time with their, with, with their, their dad to help us uh, record Trophy Horse, Trophy Horse here. So we thank you for that, Daryl. Um, yeah, yeah. Are you guys going to be regularly giving updates on the backlog beatdown, kind of like when we have Levi on here? And I'm sure Levi is yep. on other shows I'm talking about, Be Legit, but... Are you guys going to do like a once a month thing or are you, you going to no, have every, week. every episode? Yeah, every week we do. Um, we have custom leaderboards and we have a, a backlog beatdown segment. So um, the only times, I mean, every now and again, you'll have a week where we don't do an update. It might have been a slow week or it might be that we haven't updated the spreadsheet. So it's like that takes a good amount of time to do that. So, but for the most part, we do give uh, updates every week. And, uh, and what we do is we have like an Excel spreadsheet that has everyone's, everyone who posts a, a screenshot of their games and that hashtag BLB three, your name gets entered on the um, spreadsheet. So you don't have to start today. You can start next month. You can start at the end of the year, whatever you want. Um, but you know, you're, you, once you start, then from that point on, you can't be like, oh, it's December. Here's 95 games that I played all year long. Um, but from whatever date you start, then you're entered onto the spreadsheet. And then well, we've got it set up to where it calculates all the points um, based on the category. So, like, essentially, I put my name in there. I beat a game, 100% of the game. It's older than 2022. Boom, boom, boom. And then that exports out to another spreadsheet that has all the records. So what we do is we tend to read out, um, it might be the top five, it might be the top 10, um, you know, just whatever, where the activity is at. You know, if it's really competitive, we might do the entire list. But typically, you know, the, the especially this past year, the the, the, the top one dozen uh, people playing were the ones that really we read out each week. All right. All right. Well, let's hope everybody has, has fun with it and, plays fair uh i'm assuming tricky's gonna be involved in these shenanigans and hopefully tricky doesn't uh fall back on his urge to rat spam but tricky brought up a point and said that <laughs> he has a grievance that his trophy list or his trophy numbers weren't correct at the beginning of the show so he demanded that i read the trophies on the show but i wanted to get through the important business first which is the rest of the show so we'll be reading tricky's apparently uh, correct count now he is level 679 with a total trophy count of 16,387 and a platinum count of 370. And just to make a point here, because not everybody can see this, on the, his games played list, the last four games are Cuphead, Returnal, Lady in a Leotard with a Gun, and Ghost of Tsushima. <laughs> one of these... That sounds like a rat spam. One of that these is. does not one fit. Is. One of these is not like the other. <laughs> Lady in a Leotard with a Gun is one of those games that Sid was talking about on Sophie Trophies. Like, it's just a really, like, uh, aggressively bad game. So, okay. So I'm wondering now if Tricky got in Sid's ear and Sid is uh, um, basically feeding him Platinums, easy Raspband <laughs> Platinums through Sophie's Trophy. So Tricky can then go in and play them after Sid has recommended, or not recommended them, <laughs> but played through them to see. It's like Tricky's a little, like, not his guinea pig, but like, Sid's testing out all these games, and then Tricky's going through afterwards and picking up the scraps. 
Can you beat it in less than 30 minutes? If so, I'll buy it. Uh, <laughs> That's what he's doing. Does it require me just to hit the X button? Okay, I'll I put buy a rubber it. band yeah. around the analog sticks and then go make myself a sandwich and send and go, go walk away. away. <laughs> Can I put I'll a toothpick it. in my controller and let it play itself? Yes. Can the game play itself while I'm on the I am Mayo message boards spamming comments to make them <laughs> I am Mayo 3? Uh, begging the developers. All right, y'all. Well, Daryl's got to get his kids to bed, and uh, Yield and I, well, we probably have to get ready for bed ourselves, because, well, Yield, you might be still on holiday, or do you got to work tomorrow? No, I got to go back to the Yo, grind tomorrow. you playful oh, scamp, you. All right, well, I, I will know. definitely be at work with you as well tomorrow. Well, not at the same place, but you and I will be working at different places probably around the same time. You get on the same. Probably. There. So we got we to gotta start yeah, getting ready yeah, for bed. I, I got to shower so I don't smell. After the last couple days of not shadowing. But before we get out of here, as always, let's do our shout outs. Yield, sir, I want you to start us off because you kicked so much ass last year when it comes to completed games and platinums. So, uh, shout out to Alex uh, for recording. Shout out to our guest, Daryl, for coming on tonight. You know, throwing us the info on Backlog Beatdown 3. Uh, shout out to all of the pimps and the madams of the whoredom for downloading, listening, interacting with us, hanging out, co-oping with us, whether it be Rocket League or anything else. Uh, shout out to uh, the Bengals, who won the division this year. So, hey, we get to play in the playoffs. Uh, shout out to the Buckeyes, who won the Rose Bowl after getting their butts kicked for most of the game. And, uh, yeah, I think that'll do it this week. Daryl, sir. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to you guys for uh, having me on the show tonight, man. We had a good time. It was a lot of fun. I really do enjoy coming on here, interacting with you guys and having conversation. Um, and it is proof that we can conversate without trash talk. So you see, I know. Well, we we kind of know why that is because one of the hosts was not here. One of the chairs is empty this week. Well, his messenger surely was not because he's sitting here sending us messages, and especially the whole time I'm talking, he's like, "Yeah, yeah, oh, I love Konami. Konami's my favorite." Oh yeah, we know that Tricky hates Kojima and he loves Konami. He's got like yes, he like the football style jerseys, the replica jerseys. <laughs> he's got one of those, but it's, instead of like the. Um, the New York Giants, or what's the other crappy New York team? Oh, the Jets. Um, he, uh, he's he got a Konami <laughs> jersey, and on the back it says, number one fan, Michael Miller. So you know how all these uh, these sporting events, the crowd's been yelling, let's go, Brandon, you know? And that's supposed to be like a little moniker for F. Joe Biden. Well, see, Tricky, he's in the stands, and he's, he's saying F. Kojima. Oh, yeah. So he's doing it wrong. Everybody's he's like, screaming one thing, and he's like, dun, 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 dun. Go Konami. Dun, there dun, you go. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I would like to point out that the rest of us on this podcast have a very deep appreciation and respect for Hideo Kojima, for his contributions, right. his masterpieces, his contributions to the video game industry over the past few uh, decades. So that's you're right, the man, Kojima, no matter so. what Tricky says. You know what? Shout Absolutely. out to Kojima. Yeah, shout out to Kojima. Oh, that, so. that goes without saying. Aren't we always shouting <laughs> out to Kojima? So, yeah, F Konami. And uh, I want to give a shout out to my uh, podcast uh, group. Uh, you know, here on the Proven Gamer, Net Gamer Network, yeah, I used to have a show 
the Remember the Loot podcast. And so we kind of changed things up, swapped some hosts around. And at some point in time, I absorbed one of the other podcasts that was on here, Game Stuff. And uh, I have Joe and Kalyle on my show. I have recently added uh, the Bearded Nerd, who has, you know, he's participated in different events and stuff between the two podcasts and stuff. So right now, I am very, very pleased with our podcast host lineup. We've had an absolute blast doing shows. Uh, shout out to our patrons and uh, you know, the community that we both share because so many of our listeners and, and people that interact with us on both sides. They listen to both shows, you know, they, they, they play games with both of us and they really get involved in the competitions and the trophy wars and the backlog beatdowns and the be legits and all that stuff. So shout out to all you guys in the community for participating and uh, listening to our shenanigans and, um, you know, and shout out to you guys for being patient with tricky. Cause one day I swear to you one day, if I got anything to do with it, he'll be a real gamer. Well, we saw, we saw shades of that at the end of last year with uh, some of the games he's been dipping his toes into. I mean, he, he got through Ghost of Tsushima. I'm, I'm proud of him on that one, because if you listen to the episodes when he first started that, he wasn't really a fan of Ghost of Tsushima, but he worked his way through it. He got used to combat, and uh, he succeeded. So good job on that one, Tricky. And, you know, the other good games you played last year. Yeah, like a lady in a cat suit with a leotard. Yes, with some sort of gun or a plunger or something. He better not touch that because it, it says on here he's twenty nine percent done with the trophies. He better not touch that for another year because he's gonna be watching. Yeah, Daryl is watching. I always feel like Daryl is watching me. <laughs> that song sounds like Michael Jackson singing it. All right. Anyway, yeah. uh, I want to thank the listeners, the fuel to the fire of this trophy horrors. Thank you all for always contributing to the community. Um, whether you listen to the show, whether you advertise for us and tell your friends or family to listen to it, uh, hopefully you don't tell your, your grandparents to listen to it because they might be offended because we're kind of jackasses sometimes, but we definitely appreciate the word of mouth and, you know, whoever contributes to the, the Facebook community, whether you participate in the, the community, uh, events like the backlog beatdown or the be legit. We appreciate you just in any way that you help grow our community because without you guys and without the community of the loop bros either, uh, Without the our community as a whole, neither podcast would exist because, quite frankly, I don't think we really like just kind of – well, I can tell you that I don't like editing a podcast just for nothing. So the fact there that we have go. a community who <laughs> loves to listen to it and loves to also converse with us and you know play games with us and you know do all this other stuff, just interact with us is what keeps us going. So thank you all very much for your continued support. Give a shout out to Tricky who is working tonight, and by working, I mean sitting on his ass and playing video games. Give a shout out to I Yield to No One. Uh, congratulations also to your Bengals there, Yield. That's got to put you in a good mood going into the playoffs. Yes. Now now if we can just win one. If only the Bengals could do as well in the playoffs as you do play, getting them Platinums all year, they'd be just fine. Yes. And uh, last but not least, well, I actually didn't say it on the last show, but I also want to give a shout out to Yield for his Christmas card. Every year he sends me a Christmas card, a lovely little Christmas card, and uh, it was sitting in, uh, it's been sitting in my kitchen. Uh, right there where I can see it every day. So thank you, Yield. It's a nice tradition that you're upholding you're there because most people don't do that anymore. Hey, it's, it's nice to get something in the mail other than bills. Yeah, true that. Well, honestly, most of my bills come digitally my... now, so I just get like offers oh. from Spectrum and other internet providers about, hey, please come back. So, so my wife asked me, she's like, because I, I uh, 
re-upped my Game Informer subscription the end of last month. And people in the store were like, well, you can save five bucks if you get it digitally. I'm like, heck no, I want a physical copy. And they kind of looked at me and I said, it's better to get, at least I get something in the mail I enjoy other than bills. Yield will go so, take go to the grave wanting physical copies of everything. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Man, I tell you, one day when your internet's not working, then you're like, oh, gosh, I wish I would have had a physical copy of this so I could have played it right something, now. Something, so I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, that's happened to me far too many times. Of course, I also want to thank Daryl for filling in here. He sacrificed time with his family tonight, sacrificed his gaming time uh, to come on the show and help us out as he usually does. So, Daryl, thank you for coming on and just having a good, it's always a good show with you. You always have good discussions with us and we, we appreciate your time, sir. Yeah, man. Thanks. For, thank you guys for having me. I really do enjoy it. I don't just say it because it's the shout out segment. Like you guys are great. I listen to the show when I'm not on it. Uh, I like Tricky. Contrary to popular belief, he's my boy. You're my boy, Tricky. Even if you suck. Yes. Yes. Even if you're a backseat podcast host by sending just tweets and or messages in the <laughs> chat from work. Uh, last but not least, I want to give a shout out to my awesome and loving girlfriend, Ashley. Uh, I had to work on Friday, so I did not get to spend, uh, didn't get to see the clock roll over with her, didn't get to celebrate New Year's with her as as I would have liked to. Went over to a friend's house, you know, we we got together with some friends and had some gumbo. I had to leave early to go to work, but did get to FaceTime her when uh, the clock struck 12, so we at least did get to say Happy New Year to each other as the clock rolled over. So, I love you, honey. And uh, that is going to bring us to the end of episode 506, rolling into the new year. Hope you all have a good list of games to play for the Backlog Beatdown or just whatever you're doing. Remember, go out there and have fun, as Daryl would say. And until next week, happy trophy hunting. Later. The theme song is Venus by the band Even off their album Zenith. Permission granted by the band and 12 Stone Records. You can find them on Facebook by going to www.facebook.com slash evenphilippines.